Welcome to Mystical Musings, April 16th, 2017, Easter Sunday. We are now in our 14th year here in the Mile High City of Denver in the Walker Fine Art Gallery with Myron McClellan and me, Lawrence Phillips. We're here near the Civic Center heart of the city in one of the oldest of the Denver neighborhoods, the Golden Triangle, known for numerous art galleries, restaurants, and neoclassical architecture. Those of us who identify as spiritual, but not religious, who are non-sectarian, non-denominational, non-doctrinaire, are the fastest growing demographic of the sacred communities in America. Thank you for joining us today, creating our community of mystics, people finding unity with God, the breath of life, the gentle whisper, the great spirit. As a community of mystics who know beyond the intellect, spiritual apprehension of truths, I am because we are. I am because we are one, celebrating body and spirit. Today's mystic portal, resurrecting love. The message that Jesus brings is love. The magic and power of Easter is that love returns embodied. The message is love, not just the law, not just the power of the strongest, but love and not just when it's convenient and easy and flowing, but also and even especially when it's difficult and challenging. Herein, our mystic passion is being forged. In a culture of conformity, the iconoclastic mystic faces challenges with and from the status quo. Remaining oriented toward love, our mystic paths are our refuges, along with community and the avatar amid the stormy 
evolution. Easter reminds us and evokes from within us mystics the Christ spirit, love ongoing. These are transformative times as institutions and cultural touchstones are crumbling, others rising anew, resurrecting. There's lots of chairs around here, help yourself. As the mystic core of love and union guides us through, we ourselves are resurrecting, an embodied resurrecting, renewing, transforming, ever deepening and expanding our capacity to love. Thank you for joining us today, Easter 2017. It would appear as a civilization that we are choosing between suicide and love, and that we are needing to be inspired at a time when we are destroying our home planet, inspired from the depths of our own embodied mystic hearts to witness the unfolding of a religion of love. Amid cries for transformation and the tears of broken hearts, we are hungry for a world renewed by the mystic light. Remembering that as physical beings, we are barely here. Matter itself is but an infinitesimally tiny component of our presence of mostly space. That we are virtually holograms, and with nary any substance as matter, we might be tempted to think that there is no organizing principle in this universe, that it is all but random chance. But the message of the avatar Jesus in his birth, his life, his suffering, and his embodied resurrection is that love is what organizes our universe. Love is the organizing principle, purpose, core intention, of our presence in this time-space continuum. God is love. Jesus is the word made flesh, is love made flesh, is the mystic flesh made love. The mystic Jesus is born and dies anew and is resurrected within each of our deep spirit, in each of our heart of hearts. Amid the chaos and decay of our struggling civilization, there is a mystical renaissance slowly emerging, assisting us with the finding of the awakened heart, even the enlightened heart, amid the myriad mega-challenges of our 21st century. There is the historical resurrection of Jesus and the mystic resurrection of the Christ Spirit. There is resurrection that is a spiritually most precious confluence of events in the world, and there is the mystic resurrection of the heart, epitomized 
by the exquisite poetry, insight, and sacred conversation of great-grandfather Rumi. Sometimes, looking east through a, a less familiar lens, we find ourselves anew, regenerated. May the blessing in the presence of the eternal beloved inspire and restore our hearts. From the heart of Rumi to each of our hearts, love's glory is not a small thing. Rising up, the painter of eternity has set to work one more time to trace miraculous figures on the crazy curtain of the world. Rumi goes on to say, God has lit a fire to burn the heart of the universe, the Son of God, the Son of the skies. The Son of God irradiates at all moments the Son of Adam, Jesus, Son of Mary. Rumi continuing, if you've lost heart in the path of love, flee to me without delay. I am a fortress invincible. Love's creed is separate from all religions. The creed and denomination of lovers is God. My religion is to live through love. Never be without love or you'll be dead. Die with love and remain alive. Wherever you are and in every circumstance, try always to be a lover and a passionate lover. Once you have possessed love, you will remain a lover in the tomb on the day of resurrection in paradise and forever. Grandfather Rumi offers us realization, especially in the face of the Christ spirit whom he revered. So deep, this, re this realization, so multifaceted, so complete in depth, presence, and resonance. A realization beyond all religious isms. Beautiful expressions of a mystic creed, such as, everything in this or that world is in you. Whatever you desire, work for it by yourself, for you are the microcosm. Each of us is a microcosmos. The mystic path is the path of direct love, direct inner experience, transcending dogma and intellectual concepts, loving this world with passion and fearlessness. We mystics contain multitudes. There is a depth and urgency of our radical now requiring courage, a resurrecting attitude that is always available by breathing in and ever so slightly arching your back. Therein the heart is expanded and courage from the French couer, heart, you summon your courage by just living in the embodied moment. You open your heart, you open your courage. You summon courage to come before you and within you. 
So slightly and easily, just that tiny oscillation again. That gentle, easy opening and closing of the heart, presencing courage, intention, ever so slightly. You can even think it. You don't even actually have to move. You can imagine the embodied action pattern. And the brain makes no distinction between what is real and what is imagined in regard to the experience neurologically of the body. And so as you send your beam out to the universe from your lifted, opened, awakened, even resurrecting heart, you send that beam to a beloved, to someone who's ill, who's sick, who's limited, who's elderly. Sending that beam in your mind's eye to wherever the prayer beam would go. Beaming compassion. This transmission is the great shimmering lattice, aided and abetted by all the unseen energies, the angels, the hidden realms, that keep our barely here existence of our being holograms, sustained, growing, transforming, and resurrecting again and again and again. As we call forth our courage by allowing our hearts to expand and compress alternately, and then beaming out to the world an expanded sense of heart, an expanded sense of love, as we are slowly arching and slowly expanding our hearts, receiving the breath of life from the great spirit, receiving the greatest of gifts, life itself. And now, with the great blessing of Yeshua, life transforms by that greatest of purposes, love, love renewing, finding love anew amid the chaos and the fear, resurrecting love. Resurrecting love happens when we're hurt by another and we forgive. Resurrecting love is reflected in the nature cycle, spring especially. Resurrecting love is evoked when we go beyond our previously held limits and beliefs. Resurrecting love happens when we commit to something beyond ourselves. Resurrecting love emerges at the strangest moments, sometimes when all hope is seemingly lost when it appears darkest. Such is fertile ground for resurrection. And resurrecting love is happening on an ongoing basis even if it is not apparent in a given moment. Resurrecting love is always potentiated in our universe. Resurrecting love is one of our mystic jobs, as it were, is to transmute suffering into joy, into peace, into love resurrecting from grief and anger and fear, resurrecting love and peace and joy. The heart of Grandfather Rumi. At the time of spring, all Earth's secrets come manifest. When my spring comes, my spiritual mysteries blossom forth. Namaste.
I love this time of year because spring brings all the flowers and the flowering trees and a sense of renewal. And it's like waking up after winter to absolutely praise the creator. When I see the tulips and the daffodils and the other spring flowers, I see them just like in a moment of praise of the creation, in a moment of praise of their own existence. So spring is, is a time of renewal and a time of resurrection. All over the earth, people are meeting today to celebrate the resurrection. And those who are not going to church are having brunch <laughs> with their favorite peoples. <laughs> and it's also Passover. And that's a great uh, celebration also. And for, for the first time in a long time, the Orthodox churches have the Easter on the same day we do. So there are even more people celebrating and feeling alive and happy to be alive and feeling the energy of renewal. There's a way in which resurrection is a fact of life for those of us on a spiritual path because each day is a new day and we awaken a new person and it reminds us that we are living in the moment and whatever the day brings us, we celebrate even though it may be very difficult. So in any case, we're really happy that you're here to celebrate Easter with us. We had so many people call and say, well, we have family over and all of this. So Lawrence and I were thinking that we'd be having six people here. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a really nice surprise and a nice gift to us. So thank you all for coming.
find it comforting and uplifting that as Myron has acknowledged many times over the years, that we help him do that. That this spontaneous composition is channeled through Myron, but amongst the field that we are all creating in this moment. And I just love that my field sounds like that. (laughs) So as you're sitting there, if you could just allow your hands to sort of rest on your lap like this with open palm, and just imagine that instead of sitting on it, you're holding your resurrection egg, and it's a big one. It's as big as your torso and up into your head. So you're holding this egg. Now it's not too heavy. You can, you can sustain it. And it's just sitting there comfortably. And it's, and it's large. And you can feel it. You can have the tactile sense of this egg that you're holding. And even with your eyes closed, you can have a sense of holding an egg. And that this could be your own personal resurrection egg. And that this egg is imbued with the qualities that you'd like. You're imbuing it on each exhale with a shimmer, with love, with presence, with depth, with a fearlessness about opening to suffering of your own and of others. Of a revival that comes in our springtime and any time. That your egg even vibrates a little and there's a little resonance in your hands, up through your chakras, your heart especially, responding to the resonance of your resurrection egg. Our egg helps us to alchemize suffering, acting like a container cauldron for transformation, an amplifying chamber for prayer and for fervently held intentions and hopes. The problem in our age of exponential change is that looking backwards, the arc of change seems flat. Looking forwards, it seems almost vertical. So it's hard to tell where we are in our rapidly transforming times. But one thing I know is that when I come across evidence of the positive in our endarkening world, I feel better, I feel more peaceful, more joy, more love. And when I come across evidence not just of positive change, nor even just of transformation, but of positive transformation on a mass level, my heart leaps and my soul is nourished. And my hope tanks, my hope tanks get replenished. 
So in that spirit, I offer you the following. The intersectings amongst technology, medicine, and health are currently producing what I think of as evidence for mass positive transformation. Evidence for more heart, more soul in the world, even more resurrecting love. The personal digital assistant, Alexa of Amazon, recites life-saving cardiac arrest instructions when time is truly of the essence for cardiopulmonary resuscitation, resurrection. Alexa has other health care skills too, including acting as a companion for the elderly and answering questions about children's illnesses. Soon, Alexa will be helping doctors take notes, request scans, and reminding patients to take their meds. There is a powerful momentum toward a digitalized healthcare system with investment in digital health soaring for the last several years. Aside from a gigantic potential for cost savings in the healthcare field, consumers are much more ready now than we were just a few short years ago. Mobile phone apps are proliferating. Telemedicine, medicine via electronic means, is beginning to take off. We are being introduced to automated diagnoses and wearable sensors to measure our vital signs. And then there are the mega entrepreneurs, including Google, Apple, Amazon, who are creating apps, predictive diagnostic systems, and new devices to meet our needs in revolutionary ways. One of the big things that until digital, we just didn't know a lot about is what works. So much waste currently happens with misdiagnosed devices or drugs. Digitalization will make instantly available huge data caches about all diseases and treatments and outcomes. Digital healthcare will give rise to new services and more fully support existing ones that might not involve taking pharmaceuticals at all, such as alternative, holistic, integrative, and fully alive approaches to health and healing. Going digital, Big Pharma will be compelled in order to, re to stay relevant to put the patient first rather than the drug sales. Initial trials with telemedicine are significantly reducing admissions to emergency rooms as well as significantly reducing hospital stays. With digital, rather than doctor's offices or hospital emergency rooms, the place of care will migrate to our homes. We will monitor our own heart conditions, detect concussions, keep watch over diseases, check moles, deal with ear infections, all using mobile apps, mobile phones, and sensors. One large digitizing health system in Britain estimates that 85% of health consultations do not need to be in person, 
and that AI, artificial intelligence, will easily handle most medical inquiries very soon. A new app in Europe was just approved that has a track record equal to pharmaceutical contraceptives. The visionaries see smartphones detecting the onset of menopause, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's. China and India are massively investing. As sensors and Fitbits and medical devices produce more and more data at larger and larger scales, more app development is being stimulated. And unlike current times, patients will have more and more control over our own health care records. There are still significant concerns over privacy, accuracy, and security, but enormous change looks inevitable, and so does a vast improvement for patients receiving treatment and for all of us not having to become a patient in the first place. Thus, from an optimistic perspective, Healthcare digitalization is resurrecting medicine and is this month's evidence for mass positive transformation. Namaste, shalom, Christ be with you, assalamu alaikum, adieu, adios, aloha, namaste. We honor the place in you wherein the entire universe dwells. We honor the place in you which is of love, of truth, of light and dark, and of peace. As you are in that place in you and we are in that place in us, we are all resurrecting love. A blessed Easter to each of you and your families, especially the blessing of resurrection, whatever that means for you at this remarkable moment in human history. Namaste. Last Sunday, our last musing Sunday, I learned from myself that we are straddling two paradigms. The old paradigm being being led by the head and by thought, and the new paradigm being led by love. And so I have had a really interesting month living as well as I can in the new paradigm. And it is so relaxing. It is such a relief. <laughs> such a relief not to be asking myself unanswerable questions. <laughs> not to be reading speculative theology, but instead concentrating on leading with my heart in everything I do. So 
I've been experimenting, and so I lead with my heart when I'm going to the gym. I lead with my heart before getting in the car to go to the gym. And it's making such a difference. I'm so much more relaxed. And I am so much more excited about life. Now, of course, this is life on planet Earth, which means it still has those things that bug us. And uh, we have to just love them, too, because I don't know when we get rid of them, maybe when we leave the body. But <laughs> I heard Matt Kahn say, I've been in Samadhi for 10 years, and I still have all these issues. <laughs> I say, right, it reminded me of the Zen monk who said, I'm enlightened, but I'm still miserable. <laughs> so, uh, I just say that's the shadow of what's been going on. But I have discovered so much by leading from my heart. So I've noticed in my private work where I was really attuned to hearing what was going on with each person who came to see me, and while they were talking, formulating what I could say to them. That stopped happening when I just came from my heart because I didn't know what I was going to say or what was appropriate to say. I just waited for the inspiration. And so I began bringing this love into meditation in a new way. Now, for years, I've been talking to you about meditating from the heart. But somehow, I've given myself permission to really open my heart when I meditate. And I can open my heart easily. It's something I've been doing all my life. Something I committed to 50 years ago, to living a life of love. So I'm no stranger to that. But as I sat and meditated, and watch my heart open. I had a client, a very faithful client, who said, well, it's easy for you to go to your heart, but I don't quite know how to do that. So I said to him, close your eyes, listen to your breath, and think of someone you love with your whole being. He said, oh. I get it. It's really easy. So then I have this practice that I started, which is when I meditate, I go to the pure heart and I connect the mind to the heart. Because I think that's what we're looking for is a new faculty that is both heart and consciousness, both awareness and love. I started bringing in people that I love and meditating, feeling my love for them, feeling that love returned. And it is the most delicious practice I've ever had. 
And one of the things that I discovered was, number one, how deeply, deeply I love the people that I love. And how deeply that love is returned. And that practice then really helps me stay in my heart throughout the day. Now, every day, as I said before, is a resurrection. Because we are not interested, this is an old paradigm, to think about personal history being interesting. The new paradigm is like you couldn't care less. You are who you are today. So I had a friend stop by and I said, so how's it going with this, that, and the other? And he said, you know, that's in the past. I just want to be here in the present. And I said, right. <laughs> that was a relief. <laughs> it was a relief. So having them brought in, and I, everyone here I brought in, um, I then one day decided to bring in this whole congregation as a whole. And my love for this congregation and our celebration of love in here expanded my heart in ways I can't even describe. It was awesome. So then I decided I would take into my heart the entire planet. I would breathe and I would relax, and I would bring the whole planet into my heart, knowing that the only way we can find redemption is by returning to love, and by awakening to new aspects of love all the time. Because love is something infinite, and we can explore it all our lives. And it really, when you keep your heart open, there is so much joy. The only time that I would feel myself moving away from that joy is if I was thinking about the past or I was thinking about the future. And of course, you know, there's a part of our mind that just ping-pongs back and forth between those two. But if we stay in our hearts, it's much easier to stay in the moment, much easier because the reality is so huge. Now, the next thing that I tried was to bring the whole cosmos into my heart. That took me a little while to actually get that going. But, <laughs> but the expansion was enormous. Now, one of the things that is very clear about living from the heart in a new paradigm is that the primacy of relationship. So again, if you don't think you can go to your heart, just think of someone you love. I mean, everyone loves someone. Just think of someone you love and your heart will open. And it leads us back to the joy of intimate, heart intimacy love and relationship. 
So it felt like I was really getting in an experiential way that Ubuntu, I am because we are, realization. And really, as I thought about it, I would not know who I am without you. I would not who, know who I am without Lawrence, without my buddies I've been with all these years. That's how I know myself. That's how we all know ourselves. So if I were put on a desert island, after a while I'd have no idea who I was. Literally true. When you're isolated, you have no idea who you are. Because we know who we are as we look into the eyes of those we love and those who love us. And in opening my heart to all of my beloveds, watching how much I love I can contain, watching how much love I can give, I'm in such a place of joy and relaxation, such a place of joy, such a place of openness, such a place of allowing into me, into my heart, as much love as I can open to at the moment. So my prayers have been about allowing, accepting, being receptive to, receiving love and receiving blessings because the love is always there. We are all being loved to death and we are so surrounded by our angels, by our guides, by holy beings that are putting love on us, remarkable love all the time. So it's not my job to help create that. It's my job to help myself accept it. So opening my heart and saying, hey, as much grace as I can receive today, I am open to it. I am open to a depth of love beyond anything I've ever known. And living this way I'll tell you, has made me so relaxed. When I get uptight is when I approach myself from my head. And then I'm separated from myself and I don't know myself. And if I think about you from my head, it's not you that I know, it's things I know about you. But as I bring you into my heart, I know you. Rudita was saying earlier that in these practices, she's really getting to know herself. And that's true. When we operate out of this new paradigm of love, we know ourselves fully. We can't speak it out or describe it without going back over here to the head. But we know ourselves, especially as we're in relationship, but we know who we are. So then another thing that I did on 
noticing this is that I brought myself into my heart. Brought myself into my heart and love who that was. Bringing myself into my heart. And I have to do this as practice because we're still one foot over here in this paradigm, which means that we are often controlled by our mind. And our mind will always find fault with who we are. Always. No exceptions to that. If it congratulates us in one moment, wait for two moments. <laughs> so, uh, so it's been such a joy to be on this path. Now, last time when I made the contrast, I maybe oversold it because there's not that much. We're in the middle, right? We haven't fully moved in to being love creatures. So we still have these niggling little things that we have to deal with emotionally in ourselves. And of course, there are times when we really need the thinking mind, like in doing taxes. <laughs> However, I tried to approach that with my heart. <laughs> that was too big an assignment. <laughs> I just couldn't pull that off. <laughs> I've noticed also that coming from the heart, I stand tall and give my heart more space. As my default setting, when I'm in my head, I'm like this, I just droop. But when I catch myself drooping and I open and stand tall, there's my heart. Now walking around our magnificent garden, Staying completely in the heart, the way of relating to the flowers, the trees, the bushes, the bees, from the heart is very easy and it gives such a sense of oneness and it reminds me of the oneness of all life, the unity of all consciousness on the planet. And that's a unity with everything, since everything has a degree of consciousness. So that was another practice. I spent more time in the garden. Of course, the weather has been glorious for that. But I had felt a new closeness to the trees, to the flowers, to the grass to the boulders, to the insects, to the voles. I know, listen, voles need love too. <laughs> and again, it was just a, a practice. This month has been a practice of feeling that I'm growing and that I'm doing it the easy way. Now, what happens sometimes is that the ego cannot accept that. Ego cannot accept 
that we're like doing nothing but loving, <laughs> right? And, and we're seeing ourselves grow. The ego wants to take credit for things. And it wants you to study. And so it wants you to go back and read Thomas Aquinas to know what God is. <laughs> oh my goodness. But that's, that's the ego because it creates problems because what it does is solve problems. That's its function. So there's that sense of I, I shouldn't feel this. My ego is saying, you shouldn't feel this good. <laughs> you haven't been working, you haven't been studying, you haven't been reading complicated texts. <laughs> What's happening? <clears throat> so that's another thing we have to watch out for, is that it's hard for the ego to accept anything we haven't worked hard for, right? And that's our cultural thing, right? If you work hard, then you get rewards, but if you don't, you don't. So I'm telling you, don't work. Stay in your heart when it comes to your spiritual life. It really works so beautifully. There are also limits, honest, to God limits to how much love the ego will allow. And so what it does, if we're in that state of love and it gets overwhelmed with love, it will take us immediately back to all the embarrassing things that we've done all our lives, right? <laughs> and uh, all the things that are uncertain about the future, but the future doesn't look good. Right, it's so like your future could be a problem. <laughs> you could get to the place where no one loves you. You're in the gutter. You're homeless, hungry, and friendless. That's the message of the ego. So taking it seriously, what I said last time about the new paradigm, and living it as best I can and practicing it best I can has been so liberating. And it is such a playful thing to do. I wasn't doing something serious when I brought the whole cosmos into my heart. It made me feel very playful. Okay, and I'll just take the whole planet get me here in love. It's playful, it's joyful. It doesn't make you think, is this doing the planet any good? <laughs> is the cosmos responding to my love? <laughs> and I just answer yes to everything, so. <laughs> and that gets me back into great spirits. So I love what Lawrence was saying about resurrecting love. So every morning, I sit on the edge of my bed, first thing, and tune into my heart, and tune into the people that I love, and notice how profoundly I love them. And that's the way I start my day. And I end my day the same way. 
thinking of my beloveds, and then realizing that I am so blessed, so wealthy, so richly endowed with grace and beauty, that my heart overflows with gratitude. In this new paradigm, with the support of the spiritual collective, which is evolving to this place of love only, We can feel that resurrection all the time, starting a new day because we don't have a past and we don't have a future. Because when we're in our hearts and we're loving, there's no time. That's where we can touch eternity. If I'm directly loving you, you're directly loving me, and there's only that moment. So, I recommend that you play with this in your meditation. And I promise you'll feel more joy than you ever thought possible. And this congregation gives me more joy than I ever thought possible. Thanks for being with us. Namaste.
Well, I've got my work cut out for me as well as a new mantra. Voles need love too. <laughs> oh, that's going to be a challenge. So again, just holding your resurrection egg and just have a sense of its presence, empowered with your intention, with the mind's eye, the heart's eye of imagination, shimmering that presence with an ongoing sense of resurrecting love. What follows are mystic gemstones derived from our collective humanity, designed to sparkle our hearts so we don't get too anchored in thinking mind attributions are available for these mystic gems, gems between, behind me on the table or by email. And let us continue invoking presence with breathing more fully that we may evoke our inner sensing, allowing the shimmering of deeper presence. Embodied prayer is an opportunity for allowing the prayers inherent in the gems of our collective wisdom to wash over and through all of us as we oscillate something somewhere, like for example, your heart. Slightly opening, slightly closing. These micro movements bending and extending your spine while cleansing, blessing, releasing, merging, resurrecting love. At the very least, breathing a little more fully. Every prophet and saint has a path, but it all leads to one God. All paths are the same. Christian, Jew, Muslim, Hindu, Zoroastrian, stone, ground, mountain, river, each has a secret way of being with the mystery, unique and not to be judged. You can have either the resurrection or you can have Liberace, but you can't have both. I practice the religion of love. My faith and my religion are love. My father is love. My mother is love. My prophet is love. My God is love. I am a child of love. I've come to speak of nothing but love. Your task is not to seek for love but merely to seek and find all the barriers within yourself that you have built against it.
I have learned so much from God that I can no longer call myself a Christian, a Hindu, a Muslim, a Buddhist, a Jew. The truth has shared so much of itself with me that I can no longer call myself a man, a woman, an angel, or even a pure soul. Love has befriended me so completely. It has turned to ash and freed me of every concept and image my mind has ever known. It happens all the time in heaven, and someday it will begin to happen again on earth, that men and women who are married, and men and men who are lovers, and women and women who give each other light often will get down on their knees and while so tenderly holding their lover's hand with tears in their eyes will sincerely speak saying, my dear, how can I be more loving to you? How can I be more kind? We are people who need to love because love is the soul's life. Love is simply creation's greatest joy. The crucifixion is the death of the old paradigm. Resurrection is a leap into a whole new way of thinking. <clears throat> 